As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. What's up? Welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast, Tuesday, June 28th. It is our final division preview on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. So if you've been checking the boxes, you know that we have the AFC North. Bengals, Ravens, Browns, and Steelers to talk about on this episode of TAFFP. Michael Beller, Brandon Funston, Jake Seeley here with you on this episode. And guys, fittingly enough, not planned, I am actually sitting in suburban Cleveland. Me and my wife are visiting her family this week. She grew up in the Cleveland area, so we are here in Cleveland. I'm in AFC North country as we talk about the AFC North. Brandon, have you ever spent any time in lovely, lovely Cleveland, Ohio? Uh, I have. Uh, I did a fantasy draft out at the Hall of Fame, went through yeah, Cleveland, sure. um, spent very little time in Cleveland, spent a little bit more time in Canton. But, uh, it's, you know, it's weird. It's not really like a, a very easy trip from Seattle to Cleveland. It's like not a, a normal flying hub. It usually uh-huh. involves stopovers and things like that. So, um yeah, Seattle and Cleveland, they're not really kind of symbiotic, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just uh, maybe, they'll, maybe, maybe <laughs> they will be maybe they will be in the next couple of weeks, if and when they hook up on a Baker Mayfield trade. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm suddenly uh, in like the Jimmy Garoppolo or Gardner Minshew camp. Oh, uh, uh, now you're speaking Jake's yeah. language. Yeah. All right. There you go. There you go. Jake, Which, you, ever, you ever have any time in, I mean, you must be have been to Baltimore for AFC North Country. With where you live? No, I mean, when, when you ask the question, we're not video, but when you ask the question to lovely Cleveland, you know, if you saw my eyes raised, then you know I've been to Cleveland <laughs> because, like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> it's not lovely Cleveland country. Hey, it is, a, it is an underappreciated, the- underappreciated city. There's a little- no, 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 look. I went to an Indians, uh, or no, c- 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 not Indians now anymore, Guardians. Indians at the time, uh-huh. now Guardians. I went to one of their games on a Saturday. It was actually, I did a double trip that day. I went from Cleveland to Detroit for a night game oh, and wow. saw the Tigers. I actually saw, yeah, so the Guardians slash at the time, and then to the Tigers in the same trip, same day. But it was to Cleveland for the day game. Like, this is the most weird-looking city I've ever seen in my life because it's like, hey, we've got some time to kill before the game. Let me mm-hmm. go walk through the city and see what it's like. Turn the corner to walk into the city. 
And for like a mile, there's nobody on the freaking road. I, I, there was a paper bag that blew across the street. And I turned to my buddy and said, if that was a tumbleweed, I would feel like it was in the middle of like the nowhere bus. <laughs> like, I'm waiting for a zombie to run around the corner. Like, it was the weirdest city I've ever seen. Like, no. And then I tweeted about it a couple of years ago. And they were like, that's because nobody lives in the city. And I was yeah. like, that, this is it's so weird to me. Uh-huh. It's a very. That's, uh, it's Pittsburgh's like that. I remember when Is I went it? to Pittsburgh. It's like it's like a it's an area of commerce. So uh-huh. like if you yeah. if you go there when it's not work time, like there's yeah. no one actually moving around the streets. A lot of living elsewhere. a lot of mid sized Midwestern cities are like that. Say now that area was cool. Yeah, where the stadiums yep. were, stadiums yeah, yeah. plural. Like, yeah, that, a lot like, of restaurants, that, like a lot cool of bars, stuff like that. Yep. But yeah, it just completely threw me off. And when I well, I went a couple of years ago now, and like outside the Cleveland Stadium, there aren't a lot of places to eat, and yeah. I was like, that kind of disappointed me too. So anyway, I, I also flew there. <laughs> To go to Cedar Point. That's oh, you, you say go. no hub, Funston. That's yeah. a perfect hub to try and get to Cedar Point, <laughs> which is a very close drive after that. That's the only yeah, nice way to get up there. Yeah, beautiful. Well, that's our that's our moment on Cleveland for this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. <laughs> all, we will talk about their football team. <laughs> we will talk about their football team in a little bit here, but we are not going to start there. Uh, we we said it last time, right? Last week we did the NFC West. We said you win the Super Bowl. We're talking about your division. We'll talk about you first. So we talked about the Rams. You go to the Super Bowl, and then we talk about your division. Even if you don't win it, we'll still give you first shot at it. So the honor goes to the Cincinnati Bengals. That's where we start our run through the AFC North. And I want to start with Joe Burrow, you guys. Excellent year last year. 4,600 yards. Nearly nine yards per attempt, 34 touchdowns. He was the QB7. That's just how it is when you don't run. He was QB9 in points per game. Is there more meat on the bone for him this year, Jake? Like, can there be more volume in this passing game? Or if you are drafting Joe Burrow where you have to draft Joe Burrow, are you basically just hoping for a carbon copy of last year? I think you're hoping for maybe a few more pass attempts. You know, 520, that's not the top of the league. That's not even, you know, close. It's Mm -hmm. honestly... We did this podcast last year before the preseason. You guys know, and I'll say this is where I was right and wrong at the same time. I had Joe Burrow as a breakout in this range, but for a completely different reason. I thought Joe Burrow would be one of the league leaders in pass attempts. I Mm -hmm. thought he'd be at 600 plus, and he wasn't even close. He was just so remarkably efficient that he still ended up in the right place. So it was the right place. Similar numbers. It just was a very high completion percentage, a very high touchdown rate, and everything like that. So... 4,634 touchdowns, yeah, repeat, maybe another touchdown or two. But I think if he's looking to take the next step is, and yes, it was with 16 and not 17 games, but you need him to get to 600 attempts. But I just don't know if the Bengals need him to. Like, mm-hmm. So you, it's almost kind of a higher pass attempt version of what you would expect for Tannehill. But by if you go and look last year, Ryan Tannehill had more pass attempts. Granted, he played one more game, and it was 11 more, but he's in that Ryan Tannehill efficiency metric right now. So, yeah, there's another leap forward. I just don't know if it's going to happen. I think you should just be happy with what you have. Yeah, I I look at his season, and I'm like, where he could just be better is he had a six-game stretch from week nine to week 15 where he threw six touchdowns. He only had one game in that stretch where he had two touchdowns. One game mm-hmm. we had zero, and the other four we had one. Like if Joe Burrow just doesn't have a a, a, a you know kind of a dry spell like that, then he, you're suddenly talking about a normal stretch for the rest of it. You're suddenly talking like 38 touchdowns instead of 34. So you know I think he can, he can push 40 touchdowns if he if he avoids kind of like that inconsistency. And we should get that. He should not have a six game stretch like that 
this season, you know, after, you know, the experience of running all the way to the Super Bowl and the way things have kind of like jived for them. Like, I wouldn't expect that to happen this time around. So maybe that's where you get a little bit of a bump. Are we all QB seven on him? Because that's where I'm at. And pretty easily I'm on QB seven for him with like Brady, Russ, Dak, Stafford, Rogers, those guys coming after Allen, Herbert, Hertz, Mahomes, Lamar and Kyler coming before him. I'm scrambling to look. I have him at six. I actually have one spot in front of Kyler because I just don't like what Kyler is without DeAndre Hopkins, and I have to include that for it. But six, seven, seven, six. It's, yeah, yeah, right there. Yeah, I'm uh, six as well. Dak Prescott, seven. Kyler, eight. Yeah, I'm in the anti-Kyler camp. Dak Prescott, seven. We should have zeroed in more on that in the uh, NFC step. So we'll certainly find (laughs) some time. People hate me for hating Dak. I have Dak at 12. Apparently, I hate Dak Prescott this year. (laughs) We're going to have to, when we get into our debates, that's going to have to be one because, you know. We'll save it for that. We'll save it for that. Okay. Let's get back. Let's get back to the Bengals. Uh, Joe Mixon. It, so I, when I was going through this team and just looking at all the key fantasy players, and this is going to be one of those teams that just like it's boom, 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 boom. We're going to have four Bengals drafted in the first, you know, thirty-five picks, forty picks, whatever. Maybe a little bit outside the top forty for T. Higgins, but you know what I'm saying. Four guys get drafted very highly from this team. But I'm looking at Joe Mixon, and I'm comparing him with the other first-round running backs, and. I feel like there's a pretty good argument, Funston, to be made that he's the safest RB1 other than Jonathan Taylor. And I'm not saying he's you – know, I'm taking Christian McCaffrey over him. Yeah, I'm taking Najee Harris over Joe Mixon. But I think Joe Mixon, maybe you can make the argument, is the safest of the RB1s other than Jonathan Taylor just because you look at what he did last year, 1,500 yards from scrimmage, 16 touchdowns, and nothing, really nothing, is different for them other than a better offensive line. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess safe is weird to say with Mixon because for a long time we've been sort of waiting for everything to come together like it did last year. He's been close before, but, you know, touches-wise it was a career high. Touchdowns-wise it was a career high. I mean, he's had a 300-touch season before, but it didn't come with the amount of touchdowns. It came with half the touchdowns uh, back in 2019. So the amazing thing about Joe Mixon is he's 25 years old still. And so he's like right in the prime of his life. I wouldn't say that his, the volume is, you know, the mileage is too high on him. I, it, I'm, I'm kind of with you that like, you know, a 300 touch season with multiple uh, with a double digit touchdown performance is is very likely. And I have met RB five right now. Actually, I'm ahead of Derrick Henry, which I know Jake's gonna scoff at. But I think if you're looking at I have met Joe Mix Henry too. Joe Joe Mixon, Najee Harris, Derrick Henry. I think those guys are right there as 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 rock solid after the Eckler, uh, you know, CMC and and Jonathan Taylor group at running back. I think the the next three are those three. Yeah, I don't have him. I have him behind Eckler and Henry, four and five. He's six, so he's not that far behind. But yeah. you know, the, everything you were talking about too with 2019 is what I was going to bring up as well. Is that you know very similar, yeah, exactly same yards per carry. He was actually better on a yards per catch in 2019. The touches were a little bit lower, and the touchdowns were down. And so that goes to something like for everybody out there with the customizable projection sheet that's out there is one of the things you can tweak is touchdowns per carry, the the percentage rate. So to give you an idea, back in 2019 for Joe Mixon, it was 3.4. Last year, it was 4.4. To give you a comparison, last year, Jonathan Taylor was 5.4. So a 4%-ish range per attempt for touchdown rate is pretty solid is a pretty good number for guys that Mm -hmm. see this kind of workload and i think that's reasonable to expect again for the Bengals because what's the biggest difference between 2019 and 20 when he was banged up and the 2021 version 
of the Bengals is a better offense led by Joe Burrow in this team. Why would you expect much to change? Honestly, if anything, you might even see the touchdown rate go up. And I'm not saying he's all of a sudden going to rush for 16 touchdowns, but I would say there's as much as a likelihood that he increases his touchdown efficiency as he decreases it. So I think a 4% range is very quality for Mixon. And yes, that's why I have him at six. I don't think what where I'll 100% agree is I think he's a pretty damn safe first round running back, Miller. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, the three new offensive line starters are things we cannot overlook for anyone on this team. Ted Karras at center, Alex Kappa right guard, Lyle Collins right tackle, uh, all coming from good pl- places that we trust, right? Karras coming over from New England, Kappa from the Bucks, Lyle Collins from Dallas. Like That's the one thing we talked about. And like Remember back, what, 16 months ago, uh, people were saying, like, is this team going to take uh, Penny Sewell? And obviously they end up making what ended up being a pretty good choice in Jamar Chase. But we've been talking about get that, get Burrow protection, get Burrow protection. They finally got Burrow some protection. That's going to be good for him. And it should be pretty darn good for Joe Mixon as well. And then we can talk about these receivers. Uh, Jamar Chase, we don't really need to you know beat Jamar Chase uh, into the ground here. We know what Jamar Chase is. Pretty much everyone has him as a top three wide receiver. We've got... Cup, Jefferson, Chase, everyone basically agrees that that's the top three. You can change them around if you want to, but everyone is taking like 99.9% of drafts. Those are going to be the first three receivers taken. So, Jake, I ask you this. Jamar Chase is the wide wide receiver one if fill in that blank. And don't give me if Cooper Cup gets injured. That's the only case. That's it. There is <laughs> I no, knew that's no what you were going to say. <laughs> but because there's no other if there is zero if we I've, I've this is what the third or fourth time I'll say this 20 percent of Cooper Cup's lost volume and he's still wide receiver two by one point behind Debo 40 percent he's wide receiver nine with Deontay Johnson it's not happening Cooper Cup has to get hurt so that's why because the uh, so you say what has to happen nothing Jamar Chase is not finishing as the number one wide receiver if I can't include injury, then he's not finishing his number one wide receiver. What if T. Higgins gets injured and Allen Robinson nope. really – I'm just trying to imagine. Like, you know, I'm looking at, like, Justin Jefferson. People would say, like, oh, he had 88 catches, 1,400 yards, and six touchdowns as a rookie. How could he get a whole lot better than he gets 10 touchdowns, 1,600 yards, and, like, 107 catches? So, like, if you if you kind of, like – He also got 40-some or more targets. Yeah, I know that's what I'm saying. Like, but, but Adam Thielen was a thing, and then he was less of a thing, and it was more Justin Jefferson. I'm just saying, like, is there a way where maybe T. Higgins isn't like he's playing, but he's not super healthy, and suddenly he, we're not you know, saying injuries. Out. No, no, I just said <laughs> I just said no Cooper Cup injury. Oh, so yeah. we could just like so T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd gets lost in Miami and doesn't know how to get back, and then you know, <laughs> and then what if they do a little bit of Debo thing with with Jamar Chase because they kind of they dabble with that a little bit. What if they, and they give cut him, like, Joe Mixon and they just give him forty three touches a week? <laughs> we're working our way there. That would it's, do it. It's it's a pretty heavy narrative, but we're getting there. Are you guys both? Are you are, do either? Of you have Jamar Chase as the wide receiver too, or are you both Cup Jefferson Chase? I'm. I'm, uh, I'm Chase too. You're Chase too, oh. Jake. Yeah. Is that more Chase or more go, Jefferson? More Chase and more, more like, because to go back to what Funston's saying, okay, if he gets 40 more targets, but this is if he gets 40 more targets, he's going to close the gap and make it very close. Mm-hmm. But 40 more targets is again if Cooper Cup plays a full season, he had 191. <laughs> like yeah, again, I, I, I don't have times that to throw off the percentage of like Cooper Cup. Like so, if Cooper enough. Cup drops to 170 and you get Chase up to 160. Now you're talking about a, that that's that's a horse race right, right. there. But 
Uh, that's why, because Chase can go from 120s to 160. I just don't see Jefferson getting much. He's already in the 160s. Like, you know, with a new regime and stuff like that, like maybe there's a little bit more passing, but what does he get to 170 something? Mm-hmm. It's not like Adam Thielen, Eric Smith, KJ Osborne, all the rest aren't going yeah. to be involved. It's, it's hard to see Jefferson get to 180, 190. Yeah, it's like another game's worth of targets that he had from yeah. if you like take his average from last year and copy it over to this year. That feels like sort of the ceiling of what Justin Jefferson could be at. Where's the ceiling for T. Higgins, you guys? Can I get any of you inside, either of you inside the top 10 for, for T. Higgins? Because I can I can buy that. I mean, you look at what he did last well, year. I have him at 10th. You I have, have him at 10th. Oh, so, so we're all there. We're, then we're, oh, man, I thought I was going to be like, Mr. I'm going to set the T. Higgins market, and I'm going to be – and so we're, we're all there. So who do you, who do you okay. uh, like? I have him. I've got. T, I'm taking T Higgins. Where are my stupid rankings? I'm taking T Higgins over. I'm taking him over uh, Tyreek Hill. I'm taking him over AJ Brown. Um, right there with those Debo are my, Samuel. Those are me. my eleven. Those are my eleven and twelve. Yeah, so, right yeah, behind Ke- uh, Keenan yes. Allen. I just yep. I, I so look I at what he did Keenan. last. I have, I, I have Allen I have behind Keenan. him. Have Hill, Higgins, Deontay <laughs> Brown, Allen. So I think it's just a hill. I have Allen one spot ahead of T, mm-hmm. so I'm with Beller on that, but Jake's got Tyreek in that spot. You look at what he did last year, right? 74 catches, 110 targets, just shy of 1,100 yards, six touchdowns in 14 games. He was wide receiver 12th by points per game. And uh, you just keep you look up and down at this offense, and it's like I just want to be – another thing about that is that I want to be invested well, in this offense. He was offense. 11. You're, you can throw out Cyril Grayson. He's eleventh per game. Yeah, throw out Grayson. And did I miss Grayson games. when I was up? Uh, yeah, yeah, I did miss Grayson. I threw out uh, Christian Wilkerson's one. Wilkerson's, game. I missed Wilkerson's one game. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, throw out Grayson's yeah. three games too. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so there you go. So wide receiver eleven by points per game, and like I just want to be invested in this offense too, and that's what it comes down to. And like you're going to be looking at Jamar Chase alongside those receivers we named, and we're talking about all these guys as you know ranked between. 8th and 13th for all of us for a reason. They're freaking good wide receivers, and you're going to be happy with any of them on your team. But when push comes to shove, and I'm looking at these guys, like I kind of I want to be invested in Cincinnati's offense. And if that means I'm taking T. Higgins over Tyreek Hill, if I'm taking T. Higgins over A.J. Brown, T. Higgins over Debo Samuel maybe for me. I know not for you guys, but maybe for me. You know, so be it, because I want a piece of this offense. I just think like this could be the best offense in the NFL. Yeah, there's no question yeah. about it. I mean, yeah, oh, sorry, Fonse, I was just going to say, you know, look no. at last year, ninth, ninth and 10th were the Bucks wide receivers, Godwin and mm-hmm. Evans, and per, and per game. Uh, you go back to all the Green Bay years when we were talking about yep. whether it was Cobb and Nelson or Adams at the one point. Uh-huh. I think it was still uh-huh. Cobb at that point, too. But, you know, it's, everything. It's, you can Seattle's have Seattle's had it. The, 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 the Jets had it with Brandon Marshall. <clears throat> you know who else had it? The Broncos the had it. was top fifteen, and they weren't they weren't both wide receiver ones, but they were both top fifteen. Derek Carr with Amari Cooper, and Michael Crabtree had it. <laughs> like I've just said, like it, yeah. it it's de- it's definitely doable. Now to answer the question that you'll see sometimes in the ang- they're, they're asking in comments is, do I stack and you know do I take both of them? Because then I'm I'm not looking to stack and redraft, and especially if I draft both of them, I'm really not as much as it could work. I'm not going to take Burrow too because you just hang so much on one team. In yeah. basketball, absolutely, that's how you win basketball. Yep. But in redraft, here's how I do it. It's like, so if I'm on the board and Higgins and Brown and the Hill and all the guys we were just talking about, and I already drafted Chase, I'll pass on Higgins and take that to diversify. Sure. If those guys are gone and it's Higgins and, you know, I'm trying to think like Terry McLaurin or like now I'm in that next tier, Michael, I'm going to take yeah. Higgins because I'm Deontay? going, if it's a big Is gap, Deontay I'm going to take tier for you? I would Michael take Deontay. Uh, not, I would take Deontay, not Pittman. 
Uh, I would take him over DJ Moore, Jalen yeah. Waddell, Brandon Cooks, Amari Cooper. I'd even take him over Amari Cooper. Yeah, but, so would I. You know, it's if there's similar names, I would split it. If that's not, it's a gap. I would still, I would have no problem taking the, the teammates. I, I like the fact that his all of his best work was was back low. I mean, like seven of his last ten games, six of them were 100 yards. One of them was 96. I mean, he went 96, 103, and 100 in the final three games of the postseason. Like. He's just was, you know, he was just kind of just like if the season kept going, he was doing his best stuff. So it kind of just pretends to a nice, uh, you know, nice mm-hmm. third season here. But I like the comparison of Mike Evans and Chris Godwin because yeah. they're kind of very much similar. I mean, Godwin's kind of like that do it all guy that Jamar chases and you got T Higgins, that power forward along the lines of Mike Evans. So it's it's a pretty good comp. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right, guys, next up, the Baltimore Ravens here. Lamar Jackson, 22.3 points per game last season. It was his worst output over the last three years, over all three of his years as the starter in Baltimore, which is saying quite a bit. Funston, are there any unknowns for Lamar this year? Is this this just Lamar being Lamar? Even with Marquise Brown out, we basically know what to expect from Lamar Jackson. That's where I stand with him. Yeah, I mean, I don't think so. I mean, I think you can justify taking Lamar Jackson all the way at number one. It happened in our in our the athletic mock draft that we did. Uh, you know, that's going to be coming out. For, that's out uh, online right now. And like, really, you can't you can't say that's a bad pick. Like he's he's gone you know, just a couple of years ago. It was he was well above everybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, in in that regard and. If Bateman basically is a better version of Marquise Brown, you still have Mark Andrews there, and he's still running this run-heavy offense, RPO offense, where he's going to get 800-plus rushing yards. Yeah, I don't have a I don't have a problem. You can rank him anywhere in the top five, in my mind. I don't think you can rank him outside of it, but you can justify any spot you want right there. So it's just a matter of do you want to hitch your wagon to that for this year or not. Any unknowns for you, Jake, with Lamar? Do you just sort of copy and paste what he's been and assume that this is the guy? And you know, there's maybe a standard deviation here or there on realistic outcomes, but Lamar's Lamar. No, Lamar's Lamar. I, I think he goes into that same classification of like Christian McCaffrey, though. Honestly, like if you're worried that he's going to get hurt again because he hasn't played a full season since his rookie year, which wasn't even really a full season because he didn't start for most of that year. You know, that, that if you want to play that game, I'm not going to argue much with you. There's just I'm not going to worry too much about it, especially mm-hmm. at quarterback with how replaceable it is. So yeah. if I'm I have him at number two. We know he's going to run 150. Whoa, whoa, times whoa, whoa, whoa! He, Are you back? You, you're backing off to Hertz. I, yeah, Hertz is three. Oh my god! So where's your back? One, two, three. <laughs> I I told you I got to listen somewhat to my projections too. I'm not going to skew my projections too much. So 
It's one, but two, you were, three. You were, so, you were uh, when we did the I'm NFC East I'm still higher than everybody else. When we did the NFC East episode, you weren't backing off our hurts at number two. No, it's one spot. It's just the fact that Lamar I know, Jackson checked in with the projection. Okay, well, the projections <laughs> put Lamar Jackson in front of Hertz, and I'm not going to move him behind him. I'm going to keep him there. So, Unbelievable. Point, point being is you got a, at least 150 rush attempts. Yeah, no, I don't think he's going to throw 30-something touchdowns like he did the, for the 2019 season, year. especially with how they're made up right now. Uh-huh. But, you know, we know that this offense is going to slide a little bit back towards the run game, which only helps him. His run game helps the entire offense, as we've seen, just because you can't do anything. What are you going to do? You're going to play cover two? You're going to play – like, what are you going to do? Because as soon as you drop anybody back, well, goodbye, Lamar, up the middle, and then that sucks the defense back in, and then you just throw it over top of him, Mark Andrews, and whether or not you like Bateman, Duvernay, whoever it might be. So, yes, I am on Lamar Jackson, and I could see him unseating Josh Allen, but he would have to have that mm-hmm. MVP-type season. He, right. It's not happening without that. Right, because Josh is going to get his 40 touchdowns or whatever through the air in addition to what he does on and the And he's going to get another 6, 7, 8 on the <laughs> ground. That's the problem. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. I was going to go to J.K. Dobbins next, but since we're talking about the passing game, let's actually just stick with these guys. By yourself, Jake, on Rashad Bateman. He is wide receiver 29 by ranking by ECR on Fantasy Pros. That puts him just behind the three guys ahead of him, Allen Robinson, Michael Thomas, Chris Godwin and behind him. Elijah Moore, Amon Ross St. Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster. I'm going to use ECR for a little bit here just because of the wishy-washiness of these early ADPs that we found. So at wide receiver 29, where he's being ranked by uh, us and other people in in the industry like us, is that a buy or a sell for you? It's a buy because on my board he's way gone because I'm at 23. Uh, I'm taking him, taking him over Juju, taking him over Terry, Sutton, Davis, Moore, Mooney, Judy, St. Brown, all the rest. Of that. So you're going to have a lot of Rashad Bateman, unless the market moves uh, in a lot, big way. Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, you go like, breakout calm. That's on the website, Rashad <laughs> Bateman. Uh, the only concern I will say this, I'll throw this caveat out there, is be careful because the fantasy industry as a whole is in on Bateman. But for mm-hmm. warranted reasons, is we're talking talent, we're talking fit, we're talking opportunity. Second year, there's a reason they went after him last year in the draft yep. when they did was for this. This is why they let Marquise Brown go, in my opinion. And part of my breakdown is I believe he's a better fit for Lamar Jackson than Marquise Brown is and what this offense is going to bring. Uh, so I think that you're looking at Rashad Bateman as one of the next big breakouts. And honestly, if he finished higher than 23, wouldn't shock me. The caveat I'll throw, like I can see him have a DJ Moore type of season, mm-hmm. as in 12, 1300 yards, four or five touchdowns. The yep. touchdowns might limit him a little bit, but I think DJ Moore is a realistic opportunity for him and a realistic comparison. The caveat I was going to throw out is be careful because he might get so inflated that you're going to have to buy him above any potential return of like if he gets to wide receiver 17 18 uh-huh. like where's this like where's your potential for your return on investment yeah. there and that's and, why i always and, caution people buy you know what's fun about that is that we're already there and that's exactly what we're going to talk about when we talk about mark andrews because we're sort of in that like mark andrews is awesome but like is there any profit potential on mark andrews but table right. that for a second funston at wide receiver 29 are you a buyer or a sell on rashad bateman I would be right about there. I'm not as bullish on – I like Rashard Bateman a lot. I don't like Baltimore uh, receivers in the Lamar Jackson era. You know, uh, the year that he blew everybody away in quarterback scoring and fantasy in 2019, Baltimore receivers finished 32nd in fantasy scoring. The next year, 2020, they were 31st. Last year, they were 20th. So that was one of the best they've done. But they're, it's just typically been Mark Andrews and – 
it comes down to as much as we love Lamar Jackson for fantasy, we still know that there are shortcomings that he has in the passing game. And I think having, you know, establishing a rhythm with outside receivers and, you know, that is something that Lamar Jackson's never really done. There's been big plays to Marquise Brown, but when has he ever really kind of set up a receiver for volume and just you felt good like, oh, this guy's going to get 85-plus catches at the wide receiver spot? But Mark Andrews has been running. It's been Lamar Jackson running. It's been big plays mm-hmm. in the passing, but it hasn't been consistency and volume to those receivers. So that sticks in the back of my mind. I am about wide receiver 29 on Bateman. Uh, I like him a lot, but I, I, I don't think I will get him at that spot because I do think there will be a Jake Seeley-ish kind of person in every draft that's willing to take him in the top 25. Yeah, yeah. Marquise Brown was 21st last year. Yeah, but what was uh, that's why I'm saying that was the highest it's been. It's probably – what did he end up uh, touchdown-wise? Because, I mean, six. it was – Yeah, six. Six. Mm-hmm. What was his uh, What was his volume? Maybe what, what were his statistics? Wow! What were all of his? Can you read me the back catches. of his card, please? Okay, ninety-one <laughs> catches. However, uh, however, there was some. Uh, there was there was a little less Lamar Jackson last year than uh, than there has been in years past. So you're saying if Tyler Huntley were the starter here, you would be more bullish on uh, Rashad well, Bateman? Let's go back and look at the numbers with Tyler. With Huntley, I have a feeling that they might have been nicely padded for Mar- Marquise Brown during the Huntley. Let's look at it. No, no. Right. actually, you want? I know, I know this. All yeah. of his touchdowns were with Lamar Jackson because they were well, all, all the touchdowns. Seven. But what about the catches? I mean, six, six. Up oh, here, look. I'm gonna here. Fine, I'll pull it up. <laughs> <laughs> fine, fine, fine. Six, six, three, four, nine, four, five. When did Jackson go down in week nine? Nine was nine catches for one sixteen. He did not have. Did not have. After Lamar uh, Jackson went down, he did not have a game for more than 50 yards, 55 yards, and zero touchdowns the rest of the way. Even okay, look 10 at, catches for 43 look, yards with Tyler Huntley. Look at, this, <laughs> look, at this, look at this game log. How is he wide receiver 21? That's not a good season. Like, he had all of his touchdowns by week seven. He didn't score after that. He did, had one Because it was Tyler Huntley most of the rest of the way. That's yeah. the point. That's what yeah. we're telling you. All right. All right. <laughs> sort of got to, sort of got to, sort of got to just take it. Um, Mark Andrews, Mark Andrews, let's get to him. I was like, God, like, I wish we could do a full, like, there's so much more I want to talk about with these guys, but like, you know, we've already been talking for 27 minutes and 45 seconds. Mark Andrews, is there, like, I'm I'm going to have zero Mark Andrews here, and I love the player. I've had him before. I love having him on my team, but like, this dude is going 21st overall. Alvin Kamara, Leonard Fournette, Debo Samuel, Mike Evans, Tyreek Hill. This is who Mark Andrews is rubbing elbows with. And I don't even necessarily think that's crazy. But if he does – Jake, this is what you talked about with uh, maybe the, like the first or second year of Travis Kelsey as a first-round first pick. It's like if he, mm-hmm. he, if he needs to do what the top of the market says he can do. And if he does even just 90% of that, which is pretty damn good for any player in the NFL. Jonathan Taylor does 90% of what you're expecting from him. You're going to be pretty happy that you took him first overall. If Mark Andrews does 90% of what you're expecting from him, he's not going to be the 21st overall player. No, and it's not just not the 21st overall player. It's also what you sacrificed in taking him there. Yes, and that's the opportunity cost argu- is massive. 
Right, and that's always been why I've never had Travis Kelsey. I know the people out there are going to be like, I won my championship with Travis Kelsey. I won my best ball with Travis Kelsey. But yes, it, it can work. It's, it's all Any strategy out there can work. You could be like, I'm not taking wide receivers until the 30th <laughs> round. Okay, like Yeah, if everything breaks right, it can work. Uh-huh. It's, out, it's, it's about giving yourself the best opportunity to succeed. Yes, other methods with lesser opportunities can hit. Playing the lottery, it can work. But... <laughs> It's just saying, you're trying to make it smart. And what it comes down to is 153 targets last year. Does that repeat itself? And if you think it's going to repeat itself, then fine. By all means, take Mark Andrews as top 25 player. Then you're not wrong. Where it comes down to is, I think there's more balance this year. Rashad Bateman is going to take Marquise Browns. And then you're going to get funneled into the backfield. You're going to get potentially Duvernay or Prochet. Uh, and then if it's 120, 130 targets, boom, you just said he's going to be a still terrific tight end in fantasy. He's yep. still going to be a top three fantasy tight end. Basically but if the no touchdowns doubt. come back just a smidge, if the receptions just come back a smidge, and now all of a sudden he's the 40th best player, still great. You lost value, but you also lost value because where you took him, you passed on a running back or wide receiver, and that's the biggest hit. He has to. The Kelsey argument I always made was he has to be the best version of that to get the benefit of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I mean, all those things you said. I mean, Travis Kelsey goes and then Mark Andrews is going, you know, soon thereafter, like most likely in the second round. And I was like, harking back to that football diehards draft I did, I like being the guy that got George Kittle as the as the fifth tight end in round five. Same, same, similar upside, like if mm-hmm. everything goes right for George Kittle, he can be Mark Andrews. You know, maybe not Mark Andrews 2021, but, you know, something close if it, if he's going towards the ceiling and you get him at the end or even Dalton yeah. Schultz, Dalton you know, Schultz, uh, Darren Waller, even, where he's going now, there's margin yeah. prayer with these other tight ends who have, that way you still, you ceiling. still get your running backs yep. and your wide receivers yep. in the first few rounds. And there's just, and, there's no margin for error and Mark Andrews. There's still, right. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised at how stubbornly high Travis Kelsey's value has remained because everyone seems to agree that he is not, Two years ago, Travis Kelsey, but he's still there, and there's just there's no margin for error. When you take a tight end that high, I get it. There is absolutely no margin for error, though, when you're passing on the likes of Alvin Kamara and Leonard Fournette and Debo Samuel and Mike Evans to get a tight end. As great as Mark Andrews is, this is not an anti-Mark Andrews thing. It is an anti-taking <laughs> tight ends that early thing. Mark, if you're listening, thank you. Stay a loyal listener. We love you, and we love what you bring to this Ravens offense, just not necessarily what you cost us in the fantasy world. J.K. Dobbins. What the hell are we doing with this guy? <laughs> like, like I, the, the the arguments are uh, for and against are, are I think are sort of plain. I mean, right? I mean, you, you, Lamar's going to take everything off the table uh, that he takes off the table as a runner. Lamar just typically is you don't see a ton of huge receiving numbers for his backs. J.K. Dobbins is coming off of an entirely missed season because of injury. But then Lamar opens up some holes. J.K. Dobbins had a really nice finish to the 2020 season. The last time we saw him healthy, we were talking about a rookie in the pandemic season who had 805 rushing yards, 120 receiving yards, and eight touchdowns in 15 games while never having the backfield to himself. But the backfield is not going to be to himself this year. I mean, it's all over the place with J.K. Dobbins. Running back 21 by ECR. Cam Akers, Antonio Gibson, Brees Hall ahead of him. Josh Jacobs, Travis Etienne, Elijah Mitchell behind him. Jake, do you have a strong feeling one way or the other about J.K. Dobbins, or is he just sort of a, if he falls into my lap, he falls into my lap guy for you? I will be a little bit more aggressive than I have him at 18, but I initially, this is, I talk about this all the time, this is why I initially have like gut rankings, and then I talk about their, you know, thoughts behind them, and then go through projections and come back and work with the two in tandem, because 
everything you just said about J.K. Dobbins is why I can love J.K. Dobbins. He's in my breakout column, but can also say there's a ceiling still. There's a ceiling in this backfield with anybody because I don't even say so much because Lamar Jackson takes it away because you can go back to Mark Ingram. It's because they have to do primarily the, the rushing game, and it's not going to be very much in the passing game. And J.K. Dobbins is a great great passing game option, especially like one of the most well-rounded because of his blocking ability too. But I still don't have it for 42 targets because you have a muted passing game and then you have a muted passing game to the backfield. And so that's why you have some concerns. I have for 212 carries because I still think Edwards is going to be involved because there's reports even from our Virginia Zakis from Inside Injuries saying that Edwards is head of Dobbins in recovery schedule. They both sound like they should still be ready to go, but Edwards is still going to take some of that share. So, you know, 200 carries. 30 receptions, which would be a watermark for a lot of running backs with Lamar Jackson, is, you know, it's the fact that you kind of cap out and now it's relying on the touchdown. And that Mark Ingram touchdown efficiency that year, that was just off the charts, period. So, yeah, does he score 15, 16 touchdowns? Well, yet that's any running back that scores that is going to be remarkably high and probably in the RB1 conversation. But I think mid teen, mid low teens is the realistic expectation for a better case scenario. There is definite downside to Dobbins at 18, even though I'm on board with him. Yeah. You know, you mentioned Virginia Zakis. Uh, she, I was about 18 on uh, Dobbins as well. And then she brought up the fact that it was the ACL, the LCL and an ACL, you know, recovery is about nine months now. And if you add like an LCL in there, it's at least 12 months. And so she's, she's expecting him to show up for training camp and be on the pop. And to be used, you know, kind of very slow played at the beginning of the year. And that just has me kind of pulling back a little bit. Like, I think that the guys that I have ranked in that area are close enough that I'm going to go ahead and opt to move the guy that's coming off the ACL, LCL injury uh, to the bottom of that tier. So I now have him at RB24. But, like, you know, if there's good reports on him in the summer, I be motivated to move him up i just yeah. am a little bit worried about that i'm in between you guys rb22 for me right after josh jacobs Brees hall um right ahead of zeke who i know i'm low on aj Dillon. um just uh for for all the reasons i'm just sort of balancing out what you guys have said here and, and so it's going to be an interesting guy one of the more interesting guys for us to watch when summer care when training camps uh, open up in what just about three weeks or so from uh, this recording look at this fantasy football you guys getting very very close next team up on our list here is the cleveland browns we have a couple of huge caveats that we have to drop before we actually talk about the browns and they both concern the quarterback Deshaun Watson. It should go without saying that the allegations level against Watson are horrible and that his ability as a football player comes secondary to that. At the same time, we can't talk about the Browns, the football team, without talking about Watson, the player, and we can't do our jobs without talking about the Browns, the football team. So that's what we're going to do right here. We are not minimizing anything else going on with Deshaun Watson off the field, and if you want coverage of all of that, we have that for you here at The Athletic. Secondly, we don't know what the deal is with Deshaun Watson as we are recording this episode in terms of will he be on the football field at all this season or not. It, it certainly feels like he's not going to be, and obviously there is a huge difference between Deshaun Watson, the quarterback, mm -hmm. and Jacoby Brissett, the quarterback, and then Baker Mayfield and what the deal is with him. So there's a lot of speculation that's going on with this Cleveland offense. So we start right there, and I'm going to go actually to somewhere where maybe the quarterback situation has the least effect, and that is the running backs. Let's start with Nick Chubb, Jake. I feel like this is similar to what we just talked about with Lamar Jackson. He just sort of 
is what he is. He's the RB10 by points per game last season, and it just feels like that's what Nick Chubb's going to do year in and year out. He's going to go out there. He is going to run the hell out of the football. He's not really going to have much of a receiving game role. He's going to actually give up a little bit more at the goal line than we want to see because of what Kareem Hunt can do in close there, and he's going to be a low-end RB1. I mean, is there any reason to think he's not that again this season? No, that's, I mean, as our good friend Lenny Melnick would always say, a rookie is a rookie is a rookie. Nick Chubb is a Nick Chubb is a Nick Chubb. That's uh-huh. who he is. Let's just face it at this point. He, I have him for 27 receptions, second highest of his career, <laughs> that, that mark would be. That's just because you just mentioned it. There's not there's not really much more to say in the fact that whether it's Kareem Hunt and Hunt misses time and they pull in Jerome Ford who they drafted or even Ernest Johnson got used to it. Dearness, for everybody out there forgets last year, when Dearness Johnson was that one week or was it two yeah. weeks start or whatever, two. they used him more percentage-wise <laughs> yeah. than Nick Chubb. Let's they, find a trade partner bell- for Dearness Johnson. You know, <laughs> right? They bell cowed the crap out of Dearness Johnson, and everybody sat there and said, "Why aren't you doing this with Nick Chubb?" And it's because we can see the upside of Nick Chubb got twenty touches per game. But go back to the thing I've brought up many times before, and I'm not saying this to say that Nick Chubb, if given twenty two touches per game, would all of a sudden falter. But it was Lamar Miller, and we wanted more touches, more touches, and he's worse with more touches. That's not going to happen with Nick Chubb. But the Browns know what they have in Nick Chubb. It's like, look, this is where we get the best out of him. Maybe if we do give him twenty five touches, he just wears down over the course of the season. But whatever it might be, he fills that role the Browns want him to fill, and that's the end of the story. Yeah, I mean, I was just looking. He's been between 8 and 12 touchdowns every season and between 1,100 and, like, 1,600 yards every season. Like, it's, it's you know, it's, it's a remarkable how mostly, you know, consistent it's been. And I think Kareem Hunt's kind of the same way other than, like, not playing full season. He only played eight games last year and eight games his first season with the Browns. But I, I drafted him um, recently in a PPR league, and I was just quickly looking because I got him, like, at RB36, and he's been RB25 in PPR points per game at running back in his three seasons with Cleveland on a per-game basis uh, among running backs that have played at least 30 games over that span. So he's basically a, like, if he's not a back-end RB2, he's like the very first RB3. And I think both of these guys, you kind of know what they are. And the thing about Kareem Hunt when you say that is that that you know that's the truth. That is just what he is. He was RB22, actually, by points per game and half PPR last year. And so you know that that's true about Kareem Hunt. And, like, I have him – I've got him I've got him ranked a little bit lower than that. But it's like I feel – even though he's right in that range, he rides that RB2 wave. Uh, he's right on that borderline. I feel so much better about Kareem Hunt than my RB3 than I do my RB2, even though there's been very little difference in him other than that one standout year in Kansas City. And it's like – like I'd like I'm not comfortable with him as a week in week out starter, even though he's been there just because of the up and down nature of what his game is and what his role is in Cleveland. Not not what his role is set, but what that role results in is going to be very up and down from week to week. And so it makes me uncomfortable with him as a regular starter, even though at the end of the season, you know, he's going to be, if not RB 22, RB 26, somewhere right in there. Yeah, and I think, you know, I, I'm, I'm with you 100%. That's probably the reason. I mean, I, th- I don't think that's lost on anybody, really, the fact mm-hmm. that, yeah, he's going to end up with those nice numbers, but it's going to be, you know, a bit of an uneven ride, and you'd rather have him as a, a plug-in, a, as a flex, as your RB3. And I think also Chubb and, and Hunt, they've been hard to 
I think a lot of people going in were, were ranking this as a Deshaun Watson-led team, in which case there would be less rushing attempts to go around, maybe less leaning on the backfield in the past. So Nick Chubb's rankings down. Kareem Hunt's ranking is also down. And, you know, with Kobe Brissett there, I think we've got to start looking back to, okay, it's time to, to move Chubb up higher. Mm-hmm. It's time to move Kareem up, uh, up higher because we're going to be back to more of the same. Just dropping a stat here. Last year, Kareem Hunt had one game with 100-plus yards from scrimmage, three with 80-plus yards from scrimmage. So he really did have not a total touchdown dependency, not like an Adam Thielen level of touchdown dependency, but if he didn't score, you were generally kind of meh on having him in your starting lineup. Well, and then weren't two – I'm looking right now. It was one or two of the games was with with no Nick Chubb. Yeah. Yeah, scored the touchdowns at the beginning of the season when he was actually getting double-digit carries mixed in. Uh, all that being said is I don't disagree on Kareem Hunt. I have him at 31. Uh, there's That's exactly where I split. have him. Yeah, so, so there you Look go. I have us. split backfields in front of him. Guys, but I, I, there's a big chance, right? Here. There's a good chance I have him at 31, too. I'm, <laughs> I'm, oh, I have him at 32. He's oh, behind. Oh, you, you hate Kareem Hunt. I hate him. Unbelievable. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> so the split in front of them are like that Chase Emmons type where there's just, you know, a little bit more ceiling. And I know people will come back and say, well, if Nick Chubb misses time, there's a huge ceiling for Cream Hunt. You're not wrong. Uh, but this is coming down to also, again, I don't try to play mi- missed games unless you're suspended because it's just that's you're, you're going down a rabbit hole and you're going to catch yourself more often than you're going to win out. But what I will say with what I was going to said last is I actually wouldn't really move either one of them with Brissett because I just think the touchdowns are going to fall off for both of them where they might get more touches, but the touchdown efficiency is going sure. to drop. And my biggest concern with Brissett is just, it's going to be widespread across the entire team. A ripple effect is the running backs are going to get hurt by the touchdown efficiency. And honestly, may, you might see fewer rush attempts because the offense isn't as effective and on the field as much. And then obviously it trickles down to the wide receivers because you're talking about somebody with, Good case, best, not best case, best case is probably 11 yards per completion, Mm -hmm. but good case scenario for Brissett is 10 yards per completion. To give you an idea, Watson's in the 12, 12 and a half range. That's, that's a huge drop for the team to go about two and a half yards per completion to drop off. Mm -hmm. And now you have a dropped off completion percentage too, which is probably about three or four percentage points. As you can see, you just yep. it's going to trickle down in every way big, across this team, and it's going to be terrible. The big plays come down. The you know two and a half. That, I mean, that's the difference between third and seven moving the chains and third and seven punting on fourth and two. I mean, things like that. Just all it's a ripple effect Being across the New York Giants, basically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the New York Giants, the Chicago Bears, the Seattle Seahawks. It's going to be fun for us this year. You guys battling for bottom uh, basement level. Got to keep those fourth downs as short as possible. Got to. <laughs> yeah, right. You got to make them make them convertible so you can think about him before you punt it away on fourth uh, and one in plus territory. Matt Nagy, one of his favorite things uh, to absolutely do. Look, we're gonna have plenty of time to talk about the the Browns pass catchers. Um, we're not gonna force the discussion here because we're gonna have some clarity on who their quarterback Somebody is has. in the very very near future. So we're just gonna leave the Browns there for now. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream Directv satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on Directv with no satellite dish. In sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Move on to the final team in the AFC North, which is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Jake, as you are setting your projections, do you care at all? Do your projections care at all if it's Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett as the quarterback here? Nope. Uh, really what it comes down to is similar completion percentage. Projected, I'm projecting a rookie, but you're projecting Kenny Pickett to be pretty close to is not the best quarterback in the league in completion percentage, although better than what some people might think. And the biggest thing I said about it is in the offseason piece before they even drafted Kenny Pickett is that when Trubisky was signed, you could argue it was an upgrade over the last three years, three, not just last year, last yep. three years of Ben Roethlisberger. His numbers were very, very close to what we know of Mitchell Trubisky. So if it's Kenny Pickett, the rookie, Similar yards per completion, similar completion percentage, similar touchdown rate. Their numbers should be pretty similar. It's going to come. The only difference between these two quarterbacks is if somebody gets a favorite and they're different favorites. Like Mm -hmm. we expect it. I expect it to be Deontay Johnson just because he's a top 15 wide receiver in the NFL. Mm -hmm. You would expect the quarterback, whoever it is, to immediately gravitate towards Deontay Johnson. But what if there's an added rapport with Pickens, the rookie, or even Claypool bounces back from last year. Hell, what if it's just a gadget guy like Calvin Austin or one of them wants to throw to the tight end more with Fryermuth? That's going to be the difference maker. And if you look at Trubisky, Trubisky, a little bit more of tight ends and running backs, uh, a little like flatter. Uh, if you expect Pickett to be Pickett versus Roethlisberger, you see a little bit more of wide receivers versus tight ends. All it is is it's just going to come down to those little nuances of how these quarterbacks t- differ. Basically, how do they differ up their target percentages? And that's where you're going to get the difference. Funston, I'm going to come to you first for uh, the Najee Harris discussion, which is, can he have the same volume as last year? 307 carries, 94 targets. So we're talking 400 opportunities to touch the ball last season for Najee Harris. He caught 74 of those 94 targets, 381 touches. That resulted in 1,667 yards and 10 touchdowns. 3.9 yards per carry doesn't mean a damn thing when you're getting 307 carries and 74 receptions. That's just the bottom line. It was not a good offensive line. No one really had to respect Ben Roethlisberger's play last year, and Najee Harris still has a monster season. There are no meaningful changes on this running back depth chart. <laughs> to me, this is copy and paste for Najee Harris. It might not be the prettiest looking touches. It might, you know, it's not going to be Austin Eckler turning 15 touches into 180 yards and two touchdowns. But that volume that is going to keep Najee, I think, in the top five, six running backs this season. Yeah, you said it. I was like, you know, I heard some rumblings that they may try to lessen his load, but without adding anybody, who do you want to give the ball to besides <laughs> Najee yeah. Harris there? You know, and, you know, the thing with Trubisky, which we got to remember is Tariq Cohen was made by Trubisky. He had average yeah, of 75 catches yeah. two years in a row. He had 79 mm-hmm. and 71 catches. So, like, you can feel good about Najee Harris's volume in the passing game still looking good um, with Trubisky out there. And, and as I said, like, there's nobody else that you'd rather give the ball to. And if you feel like the you know the Steelers are going to be less confident with how this offense is being run, you could argue that there might even be more reason to lean on Najee this year. But I think at the at the 
at the minimum, it's going to probably be mostly a similar workload to what we saw last year. Yeah, we love saying yeah. this, Jake, about about Mike Tomlin. Go all the way back to Willie Parker and carry it all the way through to Najee Harris last year. If Mike Tomlin finds a running back he thinks he can trust, you know, Mike Tomlin's taking us back to the 90s with bell cow usage. And that's, how, that's how he operates. That's how he's mm-hmm. always operated. Uh, there was a couple of years ago, I asked him that in person about James Conner, and I said, oh, look at me, I talked to him in person. He just stops the hand to Sort of saying so, it. <laughs> But he's like, you know, he's kind of like, he was like, no, he's my guy. Like that's, and he's already said that this off season too. It's like, this is my guy. So this whole Mateo Durant stuff and like, yeah, okay, sure. He was a higher paid undrafted rookie free. That's just, he's coming from Benny Snell's job because Benny Snell's yeah, not exactly. that Exactly. I, I would so, pay an undrafted rookie free agent a little bit more too if I had Benny Snell and Anthony McFarland as the next guys up on my As my backups. Yeah. I have one running back projected for more touches than and Najee Harris, and that's what it comes down to. And it's yeah. Derrick Henry, by the way. But that's uh-huh. what it comes down to is Najee Harris is going to eat, 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 as people would say. And even if he's at a low touchdown rate, he's still going to hit double-digit to combined touchdowns because he's going to be touching the ball 380 times. So, yeah, this this offense would – so I'll go back to uh, the late Mike Taglier, who always wrote about the fact that top 10 running backs rarely ever show up if they're on a bottom five or bottom 10. I don't remember exactly. You can go find the article. But bottom five offense, if that happened to Pittsburgh, then yes. Then, okay, Najee Harris, but he still finishes probably as a low-end RB1. That's the, that's the good thing about it is that his floor, if he plays a full season, he's not dropping outside of the RB1 conversation. And it's hard to – I mean – this team might take a step back this season, but it's hard to see this as a – they're not going to be that bad on offense. I mean, like you said, I mean, there's there's an argument that current Mitch Trubisky is better than 2020 and 2021 Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. And then they would turn to Kenny Pickett. And maybe he blows yeah. up and he's just – like blows up in the bad way and he's just god-awful. But, I mean, this, this would have to be like such a sideways team for this to be that bad. Deontay Johnson last year went 107 on 169 targets for 1,161 yards and eight touchdowns. Number one, nine wide receiver overall, number 10 mm. by points per game. I mean, is there upward mobility? You love him. You are Deontay Johnson's. I know. You said his I name mean, wrong. Yes. Deontay. Deontay is number one fan. I feel comfortable <laughs> without having to look through all the billion fantasy people there are on the internet. I feel comfortable saying you are his number one fan. But is there upward mobility from 107, 1160, and 8? Mm, see, uh, I would say offhand odds, no. Uh, I still on 170 as, uh, targets too. Yeah, so and that's the thing is I actually have him dropping in targets this year. Yeah. I'm at 158 because of the offense, because of the change, because the uncertainty of who they gravitate towards. Now, yes, here's the upside. The here, go back to what I said about the quarterbacks. If either or both of them, what if they turned him into? Cooper Cup, Jamar Jeff or Jamar Justin Jefferson, and he's seen 170, 180 targets. There's your yeah. upward mobility, but that's a pretty high level of targets already last year, and then only got him to nine. And we're just talked about the quarterbacks could be better, but probably not that much better. So for him to really move up from there, he would just have to be funneled, 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 and we're talking double digit targets per week, and then he moves up. So I have him at wide receiver. I think 10, 11, or 11, 12, 13, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. It's just as much as I would love him to be higher. Uh, unfortunately, it just comes down to the team. So in 2018, uh, God, yeah, that's right. He only played the, I forgot about the injury. But in 2019, Allen Robinson in with Mitch Trubisky as his starter, got 154 targets on, you know, I mean, that's, that's obviously yeah, less I'm, than what Deontay had last year. Yeah. But yeah. still, like, I'm with the way yeah, the, the, way the Bears offense at- ran. <laughs> yeah. 
I was looking at the same thing, Beller, because like I like to have the precedent of a yeah. quarterback with a receiver or with a you know you know with the Tariq Cohen stuff with Najee. I like to see the precedent in the past. And Mitch Trubisky, for as much as he's been maligned, you know he was a, he had some serviceable moments and getting a wide receiver as your main target and get 98 catches, 1147 yards, seven touchdowns. That can make you feel good about Deontay, especially since he's so much different than the rest of the receivers in that, you know, the Carl Pickens and the Chase Claypool, are a lot George, more powerful. Showing your age, fun stuff. Oh yeah. George Pickens. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. We, we were talking Bengals too. So it's got this whole, <laughs> whole mix going on here, but yeah, he is like Deontay is the obvious sort of, you know, chain mover, the guy that works all points of the field. The other guys are a little bit more one note. So I just feel good about his, you know, if, as long as he can stay healthy. That's the biggest yeah. thing with him. He lives under the questionable tag. Like he's, you know, almost every game you watch him, he's getting up slowly after some play. You know, he's just very, <laughs> very slight and and not super durable. So that's the only thing I worry about here. His ECR yeah, overall. Go ahead, Jake. I was just going to say his reception percentage, if you got him up to 70%, that would help him yeah. innately if even only off 160 targets again. But that that's a that's a high level for most wide receivers. You're talking Adams cup level over the 70% range. ECR One, puts him 12, 112 catches. Yeah. Right? And the, the, that puts it. So his, his ECR is three guys ahead of him. Three guys ahead of him are Zeke, Cam Akers, Michael Pittman, three guys behind him, Kyle Pitts, Jalen Waddell, Antonio Gibson. The, the the first couple of picks you make maybe determine at least in part the direction you mm -hmm. go. I want him over all those guys, with the possible exception of Cam Akers, depending on what I've done in the first couple of rounds. Yeah, I have Akers in front of him overall, and then uh -huh. right behind him in overall. Uh, what was the ECR full number? Thirty five. Uh, see, I'm at thirty, so I'm in front of AJ Brown, Allen, Dobbins, Pittman. AJ Brown, that probably puts you on a little bit of an island. Yeah, like Damn Lost, memo. like whatever island the people from Lost crashed on. You're not totally alone. <laughs> you're not. You're not Tom Hanks in Castaway, but you're uh, you're Hurley or uh, Sawyer. I, I, you know, to, to use something that uh, Fonston says a lot. I feel like people like this is now. You talk about you, you like don't have to search far to have me at the top of the list for Deontay Johnson. Go back to my rookie and go back to what I've said about AJ Brown's entire career and say like I'm on the small island of some of the biggest fan of AJ Brown pure talent-wise. Uh -huh. But as Funston usually says, why are we rose-color glassing his career so far? Like, A.J. Yeah. Brown is yeah. not... Like, we've wanted him to be top five, and there was maybe a potential if he stayed with the Titans, he was the main only uh -huh. target there for Ryan Tan. Like, he hasn't gotten there with injuries, touchdown reliant, like, consistency, mm -hmm. like, whatever it is. I love A.J. Brown. But you move him to Jalen Hurts, which I yeah. was making the argument of like let's let's be smirch AJ Brown for going with Jalen Hurts, and let's not be smirch Jalen Hurts. And yet now all of a sudden I'm like the low guy, and I don't get it. <laughs> That's just the answer the fantasy world, man. <laughs> fantasy world is fickle like that. Uh, is there any? I mean, right now we've got Chase Claypool as wide receiver forty four, and even that feels like a little too high for me. I mean, it was just it was such a bluff of a year last year. And let's, you know, like right. maybe you for Juju Smith Schuster barely played last season. Juju Smith Schuster had twenty eight targets. So it's not like there's this huge raft of targets that are available. And I can't get over this. You know, we all remember the huge Chase Claypool game from a couple of seasons ago, three touchdown game and whatever else he did in that one. That represents, you guys, ten point eight percent of his career fantasy points came in that one game. And it's not like we're talking about a guy who's played three games in his career. Like 10.8% of his career production came in that one game. Like, I just want – for me, like, I, this is one of those teams where, like, I, I love Najee. I will absolutely want – I will 
target Najee. I'm absolutely target targeting Deontay, and I want nothing else to do with this team. And for me, that also includes Pat, Pat Fryermuth. You don't want anything to do with Pat Fryermuth? I just Pat Fryermuth to me, like he's tight end eleven, but last year his you know it was it was all it was all touchdowns. It was all touchdowns, four hundred ninety seven yards and seven touchdowns. Last huh. year, if he yeah, didn't score, you must you've not have done a you must not have done a pod recently with Mark Caboli. I mean, like, gosh, you listen to anybody around Pittsburgh? That's all they talk about. Who's your I breakout? Know, but candidate? look at the like, other look at the other tight ends in there. Like, I'm gonna like if I'm gonna if I'm gonna be waiting that long on a on a tight end, I'm gonna take my like. Why can't Robert Tanyan be back in the? I the would not touchdown? take Robert. I I'm not taking Tanyan. him over, but like, why why can't Tanyan be the be the touchdown guy he was two seasons ago? Now that. Uh, now that Devontae's gone, I like if I'm in a, if I'm waiting on one of those tight ends, I'm going after some, someone who I believe can do something for me outside of the touchdown department. I just don't think Pat Fryermuth did not show us anything last year that he can do that, and so wow. maybe he proves me wrong. But I think he, I think he he's capable of being yards. more than I think four hundred ninety-seven yards and a high watermark of fifty-five on the season. I'll uh, take Kasicki. I'll take Dawson I, Knox. Well, so, there's just a there's just a lot of I mean he had a decent amount of volume down the stretch and it just wasn't a bunch of wasn't a lot of yardage but like um, right like that's just maybe a little bit of Ben Roethlisberger too I mean um, I, I I don't know I just <laughs> we're talking about a rookie tight end who caught sixty balls and seven touchdowns like. If we can't project that he can maybe take a next step. I don't I know. Think, I, I don't know. I don't like the, the it's the it's the touchdown reliance. Yeah, that I'm way sixty out catches. On. Like oh, what, what the hell? Sixty catches as a rookie? That's that's really good. That is yeah. That is I'm, very good. I'm, the funny thing is, I'm actually in between both of you guys in the fact that I think the reliance is that I have him for over sixty receptions and around six hundred yards. I would love to see the yards per reception go up, and that's actually going up from last year. And yeah, sure, if part of it was Roethlisberger, but you know, go back to the quarterbacks. How much do we expect Trubisky and/or Pickett to? Uh, Again, yards per completion per attempt, whichever one you want to drop it down to, it I have them for better. Nine point five yards per reception is going to be a lot better than it was even last year. Does it get over ten? Then you got sixty receptions, and now we're talking seven hundred yards at tight end. Where I'll push back on you, Bellers. Like it, mm-hmm. it's the tight end position is always touchdown reliant outside of the top six or seven, and so my thing is I have it tight end thir- twelve. Because I have him for about sixty six hundred and six, like it's like I don't know he's the devil, but the fact <laughs> is, is it comes down to I just don't know where it is in this team unless he becomes the number two, which I'm not saying is out of the uh-huh. equation. But you go back to Drabisky, and I talked about it being flatter. This doesn't throw it to the tight ends more. He kind of targets running backs more. Again, go back to Pickett. What is Pickett going to do? Is he going to make Fryermuth his number two? Is he going to be his number three? Does Pickens challenge Claypool and now? Claypool, Pickens, and Fryermuth are all hovering in the 90 to 100 target range. Mm-hmm. And if so, you're just basically what you said to start this all with is it's going to be Najah Harris, Deontay Johnson, and everybody else is just crushed by the flatness of this team. Yeah, that's – I mean, I, I, I understand what, what you guys are saying with the tight end position, but it's like there's just – there is going to be so much of the production is going to be owned by two guys that there's going to be so little to go around. It's going to be so unpredictable. At least that's how I feel. And then this is before we even talk about the fact that whoever you have is the starting quarterback. Like when we all sit down to rank players in week one, whoever Pittsburgh starter is going to be ranked like 29th. And that's going to be the case until one of these guys proves us that that should not be the case. And so that's another mark against Pratt. Pat 
Fryermuth for me. But, you know, this episode gave us a couple of things. It gave us a Dak Prescott discussion that we're going to have to revisit, a Jake versus Funston Dak Prescott dis- discussion. And now it gives us a me versus Funston Pat Fryermuth discussion that we can get into on a future episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast because we are going to have to call it a show for this episode of TAFFP. Great news, you guys. After the fourth, we are coming back with two episodes per week for you in July. Then we get to three in August. The fun is really starting after this holiday weekend. So now we got a long week until then, but have a great week. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the fourth. Be safe. And then we're back with you two times next week. So get ready. For Jake, for Funston, I am Michael Beller. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon.